hear these words. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was God's son. Well, we are in the second Sunday of Lent. Last Sunday, I know you were blessed with Nick as he came and shared with you the beginning of our Lenten journey, a conversation about both exclusion and inclusion. And today we pick up where we hear this at the end of this journey, but we hear of, a, of an individual, a centurion, who experienced the Easter story. Now, this journey that we're on, we're going through a book called On the Road to the Cross, in which we look at individuals within the Easter story who typically are not discussed, who are kind of overlooked, but yet their, their presence in the story is important. Even in the case of a centurion, who, who is mentioned here in one verse, one verse, verse 54, in which he says, truly, truly, this man was God's son. For him to say that, for him to acknowledge that, is powerful and also critically important for us. Now, we must begin and understand who is this centurion? Who was this person? Why is he so important to the Easter story? Because if he's so important, Pastor, why don't we normally talk about him every Easter? Well, partly because there's so many other individuals to spend time with. But here we have a centurion. Now, now we must understand who was this. So a centurion was someone within the Roman military. Uh, he, was, he was important, but not so important that we knew his name. Now, for him to have been made a centurion, there's a couple things we must know. One, he would have been very intelligent, highly educated within the Roman world. Uh, they don't just promote anyone into this position. He was also very strong, very brave, very courageous. He was in charge of hundreds of soldiers. Hundreds and hundreds of soldiers looked to him for guidance. He was also very loyal. He looked to the emperor as his God, as the one that he would follow to his death. That if it, the emperor said, go fight, knowing he was being sent to his death, he would not question. He would not bat an eye. He would run into the face of certain death. He would have been in the military most of his life by this point. And so because of that, he was very accustomed to death, very accustomed to violence. In fact, part of the duty of the centurion was to oversee crucifixions, 
by the time of Jesus' crucifixion and then well after that, crucifixions, there had been thousands of them. It was the Romans' way of ensuring fear was placed in the hearts of their subjects. Get out of line, they would say, and you shall end up on a cross. And so for him, he would have been accustomed to seeing violence. Some say he was a professional killer. So death was nothing new to him. In fact, violent death was nothing new to him. It was also most likely that under his rule, their job was also to continue to ensure that the subjects of the Roman Empire, the slaves, if you will, were kept in check. In other words, it might be their job to make fun of them, to go around and march and show in all of their military armor their strength, just to ensure there was no uprisings. And if they felt there was an uprising, the centurion could order the soldiers under his, under his preview to go and to kill. He didn't need really direction from anywhere else. He could do it on his own. And another fact about the centurion is, is he was, without question, a Gentile. He would have not been a Jew. He would have not understand the Jewish God whatsoever. He would have had no training in this, no teaching in this. He was merely a Gentile. In other words, he was you and me. The difference is he didn't know God. No one ever told him about God's love for him. And so we have him appearing in this verse. Now, there are other centurions throughout Scripture that we read and hear about. Theologians believe this is a different centurion that would have been at the crucifixion than some of the others that we read about in Scripture. And if it was the same one, if it was the same one, it wouldn't really matter because here we have a very important thing that takes place. What happens is that God collides with His world. This is the moment in which an individual, a Gentile, recognizes God's love for him. What happens, isn't it, when Jesus enters our hearts, when we give our life over to Christ? I've asked that question before in, in one of our studies, and, and I know some gave some very, very different answers. But the truth is, when we accept Jesus in our hearts, we cannot but help to have our life and world changed. It is, it is without question something that is going to happen. When you accept Christ in your heart, your life, your world is now different. There is nothing you can do to stop that. You will see maybe the world differently for the first time, and maybe you won't, but your heart has been changed. Some will say that experience of accepting Jesus into their heart is that moment when they literally, physically see the heavens open up and angels come down upon them. And others will tell you, well, I accepted Jesus. Now what? 
I didn't really feel a whole lot. I didn't I didn't feel this warmth that came over me. I just accepted Jesus and now what do I do? Now what happens? See, the centurion was in was in a place of struggle at this point. Sorry, God. Didn't mean to go there. <laughs> the centurion was in this place where all of a sudden he now had two masters. He had the Roman emperor who he had pledged allegiance to, pledged allegiance to death to. Then he would follow the emperor wherever the emperor sent him, no matter, there would be no questions. And now he sees Jesus crucified on the cross. He sees Jesus praying for him. And his life has changed. And he utters the words, truly this man was God's son. Now there's an important part of what he says, and we need to break this down a little bit. So we start at the first part, the first word, truly. He opens up with truly. In other words, this is the truth. This is the unequivocal truth. You better be listening. I don't know why the lights are dimming, but God must be present. The centurion says, this is the truth. I realized this for the first time in my life. That nothing anyone will tell me from this point forward will change what I have just seen. What I have just experienced. And he says, this man, acknowledging Jesus' humanity, that this person on the cross is man. He is just like me. He is just like you. was God's son. And in that end of that, he says, and this is God who came for me. This is God who came for me in my life. Truly, this man was God's son. Imagine recognizing that as a centurion in the Roman world. He just, in that statement shifted from pledging allegiance to the Roman emperor to now saying this is God's son who came from me and this this is the truth he shifted his allegiance to God and his life was changed and transformed in that moment now for all of us, all of us, we have, we have this thing that happens to us when we accept Christ. There are things in our lives that, that change. And so we're going to go through a few of these. The first is power. There, there's truth that, that in the world today, we look to places of strength and power. Whether that's our government, whether that's our leaders in our community, whether that's a leader within our home, we find strength and power in others, in the world. It gives us reassurance, doesn't it? Except when we turn and accept Christ. Well, then we no longer can rely on the world to give us strength and power. We must rely on God and Jesus to be our source of strength and power. Because there is much more power in Jesus than there ever will be 
in each other. That's the second thing, people. For some in our world before Jesus, they want to rely on those around them. They want to say, they are my strength. They are the ones that will get me through the day. And there might be truth in that. It might be that that person they rely on has Christ as their center. But in truth, they're not relying on that person. They're relying on Jesus. We must recognize that for us, as followers of Christ, even in our brokenness, even in our struggle to understand who Jesus is, we must rely on Him over other people. Because the truth is, you and I, as much as we want to be strength for other people, we are just as broken, just as sinful, just as lost as others. We are God's children. We are human, aren't we? And so as, as perfect as we try, we still fall short of God's glory, don't we? And so as Christ followers, our focus should be on Jesus. For the centurion, in that moment, he realized that it wasn't the emperor, another person he needed to follow, but it was God, it was Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are forgiven, and you will have a place with me in heaven. There's many other things that are transformed in that moment. Our passions end up changing. I have met many in my journeys who, who find Christ for the first time, truly find Jesus, and their life is transformed. You see it. They, you know it. They find hope again. They find joy that they had lost. They have a passion for life. All because of what God and the Spirit of God does in them in that moment. We shift from things of this world to the people God puts in our lives to the joy that only He can truly give us. Now, we go back to the centurion for a moment and imagine what happened to him after he says these words. Now the truth is we don't have anything in Scripture that truly tells us what took place. All we can presume, all we can I guess attempt to presume is what happened after his encounter. Now, personally, I, I can only guess, but what I can imagine is this soldier, this man who was filled with courage, filled with strength, filled with the understanding that death was part of his everyday life, left that hill left that moment in which he recognized that this was the Son of God, changed. Now, it would have been his job to then also, also watch over Jesus at his burial. Him and the other soldiers most likely would have been put on guard duty. Now, the centurion probably left and came back sometime later most likely returned when the stone had been removed and Jesus was gone. And more than likely, in that moment, 
he would have been even further conflicted. Because in that moment, he would have saw, oh, if God can lift Jesus up from the dead, if Jesus himself rises from the dead, that means the death that I have seen my entire life has hope again, because they are all with God. And furthermore, most likely I suspect what he witnessed in his heart was that God is going to forgive me for all my transgressions. God will forgive me for all that I have done. And and the truth is, even for him, it most likely required him to respond to that. I suspect he probably would have went back to his home. I could even envision him sitting down in his home, almost perplexed as to what he has witnessed over the last three days. Recognizing that he took part in the crucifixion of Jesus, the Son of God, and then seeing Jesus rise from the dead, and acknowledging that life with God is eternal. And I suspect God in that moment penetrated his heart, filled him with a joy that I hope all of us, all of us, can grab hold of and embrace. You see, the truth is, when worlds collide, when Jesus collides with our world, our sin has been defeated. Your brokenness has been put back together. The death that we all face in this world is wiped clean because we are promised of life with Jesus. And so friends, I hope that as we go into this world, as we, as we go from this place, not just today, but every day that we come in and leave, that we can go in knowing that we have been transformed by the power and the love of Jesus Christ that we can see hope even when it seems like nothing, nothing is possible. That we can love in a more precious way, embracing those around us and saying, God loves you as much as he loves me. And that we can look at ourselves in the mirror and know that even if we are imperfect, even if we might feel so far from God that he has a way for us back home and that is through his son Jesus. You must embrace this power. You must embrace and accept this love. Rejecting it only puts us further away from him. And so it is my prayer that for all of us, me included, that if we ever feel defeated, if we ever feel like I just haven't gotten there anymore, God. I don't have anything left in the tank. We can come to the cross and see the gift that God has given you. Of Jesus. Not on the cross. Not in the tomb. But alive. Alive for you. And that you 
each and every one of you are his beloved children.